I'm sorry we were late. Um, just one of them days couldn't not, be held. I'm not sorry. You're a little sorry. I'm a little sorry. Okay. No, no, I no. appreciate you guys letting me come on again. I, I kind of feel like I've been si- sleeping on your couch for two weeks, you know, a little little bit longer than I should have should have been, but <laughs> No, we no, this is great. This is this is I, I like it. Yeah, this is fun, Mike. If you want to finish out the season with this or whatever, we don't have any problem with it. Well, I've been meaning to say, like, my towel's a little scratchy and could you get some better beer in your fridge? Like that gluten free <laughs> beer is just not cutting it. happy visitor okay good yeah i mean you're not a visitor this is this is good this is look we're all learning this stuff you know like i mean you know doing this stuff together and adapting and all that so i I think it's really good and plus i think everybody adds something kind of unique yeah i'm gonna sing kumbaya in a minute i wish you wouldn't i won't you know i have a hard time cutting you out with him well they see you can't cut me out so much now my buddy mike is here i know so he's just gonna keep the whole thing it's not good so you should be very careful and you broke my weapon stick last time you should so be, i got nothing well you'll have to throw some missiles or something but and i got nothing mike i'm counting on you man All keep right. my good material in there because she always mike? i mean my best stuff she she says I'm going to be offensive, but I can't even spell offensive. So Mike, no, be it. on my side with this. Seriously, <clears throat> you know what I thought I saw a Camaro station wagon the other day, and I actually, <laughs> I literally ran up, I ran across like the courtyard to take a picture of it, and it, it had the Camaro front end. It must have been some old El Camino or something, but it had a name. It had a different name. It was like a Colonnade or something. I don't know. Maybe you know better than me, Mike, but. Wow, no, I'm I'm gonna have to look that up. That's uh, you've given me a homework assignment. I I have never seen anything that looked remotely like a Camaro station wagon. Did you take a picture? I did, but then when I saw the name wrong on it, you know, it wasn't Camaro. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. It's just a different model of a Chevy. But I looked Still online, is. and there's there's kits to turn El Caminos into or Camaros into El Caminos. You swap their front ends or something. <laughs> It, they look pretty cool, actually. It's the old, it's the Jennings Camaro with the with the station wagon back end on it. Man, that would be worth seeing. I've never, I've, I've never encountered anything like that. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Welcome to our unofficial podcast for the FX series, The Americans. We got a treat again tonight. I'm here with Mike and Mike, Mike from Tribal Rant, as usual, and Mike from West Coast Project is joining us again. Hopefully, he's going to finish out the season here of The Americans with us, so we're excited for that. So welcome to Tribal Rant and West Coast Project. So, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Anytime. And tonight we're podcasting The American Season 5, Episode 10, called Dark Room. The director was Sylvain White, and the writers were Stephen Schiff and Joseph Weisberg. It aired on May 9th. So what did you guys think about this episode overall? Hmm. You know, I didn't have an, an underlying theme that popped up and came to mind about this episode. It's just another, I thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. I watched it three times. Did you like it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think, Mike? I liked it. I, I like that um, one of my ghosts is going to get his come out, come up, and so I think Pastor Tim, I think, is going to get his his desserts. It's looking that way, uh, and I just yeah, we'll talk more about Pastor Tim when we get there. I I, I think uh, I think the way they're dealing with Pastor Tim is a little unrealistic. I don't think they would leave that that undone. I think if they did relocate him, they may relocate him until, you know, Paige is happy that he's been relocated and then permanently relocate him off the face of the earth. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, Mike last week was talking about with Martha that he didn't, that that was a big, well, they've got her right where they want her though. They've got her in the Soviet Union. I know, but yeah, it's like Mike said last, I mean, she's got nothing to lose. She's miserable, but she can't get out of there. I mean, pastor Tim, they relocate him, you know, somewhere he can always, you know, one day his conscience get the better of him and, and just have to, you know, confess. And, and there, there we go. You know, he can, he could, he's just like a ticking time bomb. Martha's contained. Yeah. Don't, for, don't forget. Pastor Tim has Mrs. Tim who came up to the Jennings and said, if you, if you, anything happens to us, I have a lawyer with a note in a box that's going to come out. That's, that's bad for them. And they, to leave that yep. open-ended like that, that is not good. Totally agree. But I think that they kind of disproved that though. Didn't they? They didn't find anything like that. Like that was just her threat, but it wasn't true. I don't know if they disproved it, but I I believe that, uh, like Mike said, you can't you can't take a chance on on that it's just a threat. You got to go ahead and whack both of them. But uh, but I, I do believe it probably was a threat. If I'm if I'm guessing, I, I don't. And think now she the had... baby too. Who knows what that baby knows? Well, yeah, that, the baby's <laughs> yeah. there with Paige yeah. making pictures and everything. I think that the baby knows a plant. The baby could talk. All right, um, not even five minutes in, we're murdering babies and people, so sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to sidetrack it. <laughs> murdering babies? Where the heck They all three got to go. From? No. Really? <laughs> good grief. I ain't saying nothing about murdering <laughs> anybody. Um, an interesting note on this episode is that it was another TVMAL no V, no S. Still, this is the fourth week in a row with no S and three out of four with no V. I see an S coming. They've got, uh, Claudia told them they have to keep working on Stobert and Kemp. I so, know. So that S is on the yeah. way. And I did find the L this time since Mike asked about the language last time. It was where they were talking about the poop, but using a dirty word about it that was went into um, the locker. cautious locker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, I guess, was the L. I couldn't find anything else, and I never did know what did it last time. But we start out with Alexi, and he's sharing his kvass with uh, Brad Eckert. Yeah. And he's having this conversation where I just took it that he was homesick, right? Yeah, you get a little nostalgic for the old country. Yep. And he's he's asking if, if Brad fights with D and he's talking about how hard the relationship's been and all the trouble he's having with Pasha. And he's, I think he's like wanting some reassurance that Brad has the same relationship problems with Tuan, but he doesn't. And then Alexi lets him in that Pasha now is like a beaten dog that he's really not even fighting anymore. And then he makes ben, uh, Brad promise not to tell Evgenia what he's saying, but he's saying that it's harder to be happy here. And he goes into like a story about his mother. Right, right. Have food, have money, not so easy to be happy. But can we take just a moment and talk about how bad 
this disguise is. I, I keep expecting Alexi to say, and Brad, what up with wig and mustache? Why you wear wig and mustache to house? Because I mean, you can look. I mean, this is this is like the worst disguise. When the light hits Brad's head just right, <laughs> it's a wig. And then that mustache. I mean, I think it's even on crooked. I mean, it's not even. I mean, not even believable. Is Brad Phillip? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you got to remember, it's the '80s too. God knows what we looked like back then. <laughs> oh man, I don't even want to yeah. think about it. Hey, send a picture, Mike. We'll put a picture of everybody no, we from won't. the eighties. No, we, think. we won't. No, With we the won't. porn stash and no, no. Everything else. <clears throat> pink hair. Pink hair. You had pink hair. I didn't have pink hair. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, tell the truth. You're tripping on acid from the I 80s. was there. I know you were there, but you were evidently drinking a lot. You didn't have pink hair? No, I didn't have any pink oh, hair. Oh, you had a pink stripe. I didn't. You're, you're mistaken. <laughs> why you're why thinking are you about, embarrassed? You're thinking about... It's okay. People of, did it. You, I'm sure it is okay. Oh, especially uh, now. Everybody's got the My Little Pony look going on, but it's not not me. Was that kind of a Travis Bickle thing, Mike? Were you like a taxi driver kind of look with the mohawk and the pink dyed pink? Oh, now you. I mean, both of you. Okay. (laughs) No, no. You know what it was? He had lived in California for four years, and so he came back here and he kind of picked up. Okay, okay, okay. Now you're getting us both mad at you, Michelle. What's wrong with California? (laughs) It was blue. Was remember? it a blue stripe? You don't remember? Yeah. No, I thought it was pink. It was. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> I promise you. I didn't spend that much time in California. Okay. Okay. It was. Did uh, did, did did Philip or what's his name? What's the what's the dad's name? In the, um, in the scene. Brad. Yeah. What's the other guy though? The Pasha's dad. Uh, Alexi. Did he just trail? He was talking about skating with his mother after his father was gone. Did he just trail off? He's like, it was nice in Moscow, and then Moscow was a nice city with my mother. And then he, I don't know if I, I didn't hear it or it just trailed. Did he just kind of trail off, like reminiscing about this time with his mother? Yeah. 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 He, he, did. Yeah, he was. He was all off into the. I mean, how much is alcohol? How much alcohol is in this kvass? Because he was he was really reminiscing. Okay. He was, Heavy-duty homesick. I think the kvass, too, though. I mean, it, you know, it's everything that's reminding him of home. And he was talking about that's what he did when he was back home. So even that would probably make you nostalgic, right? wonder what Philip thought about it, the kvass. I mean. I bet he probably liked it. He probably had it at home, too. Can you imagine? Did you notice, though, when he was drinking it, it looked like kombucha, right? I thought I saw like a scoby down in the bottom of the jar. Mm. But maybe it's made similar. I don't know. I don't either. Yeah. What do you know about Kavas, Mike? It, I just thought it looked like that fish tank water that we have to look through when we look at Martha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so bad. I never tried it. I, I don't know that much about it. Well, then we go to D, and she's drying dishes, and Twan comes in, and he's sheepish and sorry. He knows he made a mistake. He failed them, and he failed his people. And then Elizabeth goes into her whole how he's special and she admires him and believes in him and he's fighting for what's right, but it doesn't get easier, but he can do it. And so she's like doing this like pep talk with him and she tells him not to make the mistake again, that it's not worth it and that they didn't report him. And then Philip comes in and he tells them that Pasha seems worse. And this is where Twan tells them that he got a friend to put dog poop in Pasha's locker at school and that the people were so 
essentially stupid that they didn't even realize he got them to do it. Well, that's back when bullying was still um, accepted. Remember, bullying was just a part of life back then. There wasn't a special, a special uh, victim status for people who were bullied back then. It was I just... think a lot of people got bullied back then. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But Twan and Elizabeth there with the motherly spy talk. Well, Elizabeth is happy that it happened. She's like, "Well, good." And Phillips looking at them both like. This is disgusting. I don't even think Twan. I thought Twan even felt like it was unsavory. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. But, you know, Elizabeth though, she's just she's always on mission. She's always well, not always, but ninety five percent of the time, she's all about the mission. Well, whatever it takes. You know, the means justifies the ends, or the ends justify the means. Well, then we see Philip and Elizabeth, and they come home, and Paige is scrubbing the floor, and it's really late, so they know something's up. That she's on meth. Of course, if I saw one of my daughters scrubbing the floor at any point, I'd know, I know. something was yeah, going on. Yeah, in the middle of the right. night. Yeah, in the middle of the night, in the daytime. Send the her morning. for a drug test. No, I mean anytime. Yeah, she's definitely using. Yep. And we find out that she has babysat tonight, and she's read Pastor Tim's diary again, and Pastor Tim is worried that she's screwed up. He's worried about her soul. And they're telling her that he doesn't really know her. And she says, but he cares about me. You you think he cares about me. And then they go into this, you know, Elizabeth says that they, oh, and the whole thing was over lying. You know, it's like they've lied to her so much. And they, Elizabeth says that it's not lying when they've kept things for her, from her until she was ready yeah, to she's, hear them. She's all about the justification. Did you catch what Philip said? Uh, we're all screwed up. I've learned. This is what I've learned. You know, well, it's actually kind of true. It, it's right? absolutely true, but this is his est coming out. Well, good. I mean, that's good then, right? I guess. Because I think Paige is feeling pretty bad. I mean, she's she's really like in one of these. Look, Paige whines a lot, and I'm not really all into that. But this looked different to me. This looked like like one more of these like anxiety episodes that people tend to have where they're just like, don't even know what to do with themselves. I don't know. Do you guys ever do that to, to, to settle your nerves, like clean, clean compulsively or like, I, like one thing I do is I, I like, like leaf blowing, just got leaf blow. It's like you're organizing some superficial thing, but it helps your mind kind of sort itself out. Yeah. I think that's a that's a pretty common uh, pretty common. Thing. I think everybody does it in some way. I think I absolutely do it. I do it like with laundry. Anytime something's going on, <coughs> yeah, folding I'll, clothes or something, putting yeah. something away neatly. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of lets my mind wander. It's something that's mindless, but still keeps me busy. So well, and you're organizing. You're putting something in order. Even if it's not your thoughts, perhaps it's your thoughts in a secondary way, you know? That's, yeah, that's very good. I hadn't thought about it like oh, that. I will Also, time. probably being able to control something when you're out of, you feel like you're out of control of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Controlling those spots on the kitchen floor. This is one time that I did feel really kind of bad for Paige, though, because um, I don't, I don't like that. When you're that stressed out, that's not good. And she is young and she is like this young girl and everything. And imagine how that would feel, right? Like she does not think Pastor Tim feels that way about her. And then she reads this stuff that's completely 
against how she thinks he feels about her. That would be shocking, first of all, and it would be just so painful, I think. And 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 she's she's so um, young and so naive and everything that she probably still has these ideas that the world is the way the world says it is and all that. And so she probably also feels really hurt. And so emotional. Well, yeah, she's definitely emotional. Yeah, she definitely wears her heart on her sleeve. Well, then we go to the intro, and we come back, and this is where Philip and Elizabeth are in the office with that cool overhead shot that they did. And, man, Elizabeth is bitter over Pastor Tim. pissed. Oh, and there was cussing there, too, I think. Yeah. And then... um, she does not like it. And surprisingly, Philip just bites right back yep. about it, too. And I, I, I can understand that as a parent, that you would be really mad if somebody wrote something like that and your child saw it and it hurt your child. But for some reason, I was really shocked that they didn't, I guess, expect it. Unless your child's a Russian spy apprentice who's snooping around Pastor Tim's house. I mean, you got to put this in context. Well, Philip says Paige isn't going to get over it very easily. She's not the type of kid who can put this kind of stuff behind her. And Elizabeth says, but it's not all bad because now she's starting to see who he is. Now, do either of you have any insight on what she meant by who he is? I I think she, she believes that Pastor Tim uses the whole Pastor Tim thing as, you know, kind of a front. Kind of, he's not... He's not that pious. He's just, uh, he's just. You think that's what Elizabeth thinks? I think that's what, I think that's what she thinks. I think she's, I think she's um, kind of judging the whole uh, concept of Christianity by the lens that she sees Pastor Tim through. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, she even makes a crack about it. Like, well, he's got God on his side. What's he got to worry about? What could go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. This very, very role in life that <laughs> he's got the supreme power on his side. I-, I think Pastor Tim's really a pastor now. I don't think he's a super spy of some sort. I think he's just a guy who's a pastor and he's pretty judgmental about Paige, but I think that's all he really is. I think so too. Yeah, I'm, I I kind of lost my my fervor for the fact that I thought he was a spy of some sort in this episode after reading those pages at the end. But so I don't I don't really disagree with you guys on that now. He's still got to go, but he's a pastor. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a dead man walking for sure. Okay, why does he have to go to both of y'all? <clears throat> well, he's a, he's a He's undone. He, he's he's a loose end. They've got to tie this. They can't leave this loose end flapping in a breeze. But he's like been that. flapping. Yeah, I know, which is which is surprising. But if they relocate him and leave him flapping, he's he knows about Philip. And but that's Elizabeth. what they're talking about. Why why now does he have to go? Why do you think, Mike? I think. Well, I thought he had to go whatever, two seasons ago, <laughs> when he knew about Paige, I think he had to go. I, I'm surprised they let him not go then. Uh, yeah. 
So I mean, his, wife, his wife is hysterical. His wife, even if they could reason with him and he's like, yeah, you're right. I better be careful. That one dinner, man, he could have said he would stand at the table with him. <laughs> he could have he could have blown everything up in one sentence and and had ruined everything. And, and now his wife with that threat or then his wife with that threat, she's still a loose cannon. There's trouble for Pastor Tim's family. I got to tell you, Alice is a brave loose cannon, though. To go over to a Russian spy's house and say that kind of stuff, it's like you gotta at least admire her her bravery. Oh well, brave or st- stupid. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they understand uh, what kind of um, what kind of activities Philip and Elizabeth actually engage in. They don't, they don't understand that Philip and Elizabeth are dangerous Russian okay, spies. Okay, but then that wouldn't make them very smart, right? And I have to think these people are smart because particularly in the 80s, you could not hear Russian spy and think that they were like chaining themselves to a fence or something, right? I mean, you knew that these people from from what we heard anyway, and he's traveled and everything, Pastor Tim is. I can't imagine that they wouldn't know better than to not know if he knows. I mean, we're even looking at this with, like, from now, but you remember how it was in the 80s? I mean, the 80s was all about Russia and, and you know, and how scary it was. That was the major threat. It would be almost like now if we found out somebody was like an ISIS terrorist or something. I mean, it would be really similar to what we experienced, at least in fear-wise, in the 80s. I think 80s. the Soviet Union was a much bigger boogeyman than ISIS. So we don't, you know, ISIS is, you know, an, an entity that seems very foreign to most people. But the Soviet Union, remember, we had those those bomb drills when we were kids. We'd have to, you know, sit against the wall. Yeah, in nuclear case drills. Blew in and and hide under the desk and uh, when we were on the ship even we would have the uh, NBC warfare drills, nuclear, chemical, biological uh, threats uh, and we would drill all the time. It was all it was all about the Soviet uh, the Soviet threat the Soviet threat you know here at home and you know in the military so you know ISIS is certainly a you know, a big boogeyman nowadays, but I think the Soviet Union was a bigger boogeyman back then. Well, I don't know that I disagree with that at all, but I'm just saying that if you found out now somebody was like a member of ISIS or something from their child, I mean, that would be like kind of sitting on that secret. Does that make sense? Well, Tim Tim says that he thinks this is more damaging than sexu- sexually abusing their daughter. So if you had, what if you had a neighbor and you knew they were sexually abusing their daughter? Wouldn't you go to the authorities like in the next five minutes? Yeah. So, so now that they know that, that this is worse in Tim's mind than sexual abuse, that he's got to do something about this. If he's the righteous pastor that he looks like he is, he's not just going to sit on this the rest of his life. He's got to do something about it. Yeah, but I mean, how how bad is that of him, though, right? If that's really what he thinks, if he thinks I've seen sexual abuse and I've seen this, but I've never seen anything as monstrous as what's going on there, I mean, why is he sitting on it? That's a good I mean, question. How- how horrible of him. What kind of person is he if he thinks what's going on with Paige is worse than her being sexually abused and he's just letting it go and having her over to babysit his kid? That's crazy. Yeah, that's a good question. 
I think that that reveals to us too, though, that he's not a spy or a CIA guy because CIA guy wouldn't write that in his diary. A pastor. I don't. No, I don't think he's a CIA guy. But if he were a spy, it would make it harder for him to go. It's just like with Elizabeth when they were attacked by those men. She couldn't turn those men in. She couldn't go to the police and say, hey, I had to kill this guy because she didn't want attention drawn to herself. So this might be a way that Pastor Tim, you know, doesn't want this attention drawn to himself. And that's why he hasn't, you know, turned them in to the authorities. Or so. I don't know. I think I don't Tim's know. just a glassy-eyed pastor with a bad haircut. He is not glassy-eyed, I don't think. I think Tim's... That's that's not how I picture him. Mm, yeah, definite, definite. Yeah, he is to me. Well, then we see Oleg and Russell and the interrogator, and they're staking out the woman. Uh, we're we're to assume this is that for Formina Lydia Nikolaeva. Yeah, the food contact. Yeah, that, right. The woman that Dimitri named in I, the last episode. How about that car, man? There is no tinted windows on that ride. Did you see those guys come pulling up in that? Wow. I want her car. What? If you ever find a car what? like that, I'm it's sure It's got no that windshield wipers, not... Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> I love the quirkiness of that car. Oh, I, li- yeah. I know. I know it's awful. I literally stopped and um, and watched that for a minute. It's probably made out of aluminum foil. That car looked did not look quality to me. That's the whole point, right? She's it. not spending her dough on any sweet cars. She's riding around in a heap. Yeah. Didn't she take her um, windshield, I mean, her side window off? <laughs> Didn't she take something off? The wipers. She took the windshield wipers off so they wouldn't get stolen. That is so funny. I mean, does she live, like, in a bad neighborhood of Moscow or yeah. something? Yeah, I think that's probably just what you know it was probably a pretty common thing back then when cars were scarce and windshield wipers were more scarce i guess but they're afraid that dimitri was just messing with them one of them brings it up they talk about how small her apartment is and how she's never traveled and how she's taking everything off her car to prevent it from getting stolen so they're saying that if she has a fortune she's not spending it and then they're also saying well maybe she's just a secretary Oleg tells Russell then about what they've been doing to him lately. And he goes into that whole thing with Russell. Now he's kind of already done this one time with the Colonel. Now he's doing it with Russell. And he goes into the fact that he has nothing to hide. And then Russell says exactly the same thing that the Colonel did, that they're not going to go to his father's apartment unless they have a reason to. And I think Oleg's just kind of trying to, find a reason, right? Like a normal reason. He's talking about how he lived abroad for a couple years and probably his name's probably all over CIA documents just because just bad luck. His name keeps showing up, but he's still so cool though. He's, he's Mr. Cool Cucumber. I mean, everywhere he's at, he's, I mean, the guy never gets rattled. Have you noticed? He's a good actor, yeah. He's a good. He he's uh, calm because he's innocent, right? You don't suspect anything. Yeah, yeah he, but he's not innocent. I though. know, but he appears that way. He does. Um, 
But why does he keep bringing this up to other people? Does he just want to be forthright with it? I so think they he's don't feeling him it? out. I think he's feeling this Ruslan guy out. Like, hey, what do you? Have you heard anything? Like, if he shares something and Ruslan goes, "Oh yeah, well, I heard that they're doing it because of this," and you know, he's. I, I think he's trying to probe a little bit for what Ruslan might know. Yeah, he's getting out in front of it. Absolutely. I also well, got to say, I really like this, uh, going back on this, Dimit- this this crime master woman, I really like that they wrote this woman in as the person that Dimitri was so afraid of that he sits in the jail cell and doesn't, you know, or it took him a long time to turn her name over. It's it's almost like you expected this dark, thuggish, heavyset Russian guy, you know, that would that would be the crime leader. But it's this woman in a car with no windshield wipers. I really like that. And it yeah. is, her unostentatious ways is kind of the opposite of like in Goodfellas. That's how those guys all got caught. They went out and bought furs and cars and went on vacations. And, you know, that's what criminals do when they get caught. And she's super, super careful about it. I just really like that. Well, yeah, I mean, she's like pale and and little and kind of mousy looking and frightened. Somebody's going to steal something. And it's not somebody that looks like you should fear them that makes her scarier doesn't it kind of more intimidating yes if you know any guidos it does it you you expect at least like a rough and tumble claudia type figure if you know some mastermind of the food distribution business you know somebody who maybe you know has has presence but this little timid mousy lady taking the windshield wipers off her car does not exude uh, any kind of uh, toughness for sure. No, and she's even looking around, you know, like a car pulls behind her and she looks behind her, kind of like you might if you're in a bad neighborhood as a female, but she's certainly not, doesn't look like she's anything to fear. But Russell says that unless you've committed high treason, you're fine. And Oleg says that he's seen them decide someone is guilty and that's that. And yeah, Rustlin but that's almost that, that almost makes you think like Russland's probing back a little bit at Oleg. Like, well, yeah, you know, I did do that time back when I was in D.C. I did do that high treason where I whatever. You know, he's like he's like almost trying to trick him back into saying something that might implicate him himself. I think they're dancing a very fine line here between just probing each other to find out what each other knows. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Oleg should be very careful. Yeah, I think Oleg's pretty careful. He's very, he's, he is, he's careful and cool. Well, then we see Stan and Adderholt, and they're meeting Sophia in that apartment that they've gotten just to meet her in. And she is very happy. She cannot believe that she was brought in to this apartment. They're doing this, the money and everything. She's happy with her teeth, and she's smiling, and she's, thank you, thank you. Now, tell me about this. Then she brings up this guy that she's getting close to. She... Is she not very smart because she she brings him up not as if she's giving them any information. She brings him up as if she's just telling them about some guy that she likes now because she likes this guy, this um, Bistroff guy. She talks about him being a defenseman of the Soviet national team. He's very famous. He's nice. He's friendly. Brought her son a hockey shirt. Son loves him. And he carries packages over for the government. Yeah. In <laughs> Stan's face, yeah. Stan has like this, you know, poker yeah. face. Oh, going. really? Yeah. Um, but she gets to see him a lot. 
and she's just all smiles and giggles. But she was not saying that, right? As a let me give you some information. She's just talking. She's just talking. I thought it was really neat how much she loves having her teeth fixed. That's sad. If, I hate that if kind you've of stuff. Ever known anybody? I do. Uh, I do a little bit of. Uh, work with a halfway house here in Chattanooga, Mike. And some of these guys, when they get into the halfway house, they come straight from jail. And a lot of these guys are crack addicts and that just dev and meth, meth people, meth addicts, they have uh, uh, definite uh, oral hygiene issues, both those, both those uh, addictions. And I've seen these guys in, in and, you know, they're in the program for a year and sometimes they'll get, uh, someone to, to, to fix their teeth. And it just changes, it changes everything about them, especially the guys. It seems like the two, the, the front teeth are the first to go and, uh, they get their teeth and they're always smiling and it just changes everything about them. And this, I thought this, this woman captured that perfectly. With so her. you mean like their self-esteem and all that besides? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 They're just, it just changes hmm. Changes everything about them. They're 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 uh, more outgoing. I know this one guy in particular. Um, uh, he, he Facebook friended me, and he his name is Markel. And Markel uh, had no uh, no front teeth. He got his teeth fixed, and all he's doing now, he puts a picture of himself on Facebook almost every day, smiling. And I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. That is neat. There's some interesting trivia around Sophia. The um, her last name is Kovalenko, and there was a real hockey player named Andre Kovalenko who played in the 1992 Olympics for the Soviet national team. Really? So, so I don't know if they tapped into that or they're going to or what, but um, he went on to be an NHL player too. But that would have been he would have been what ten years younger at this time. But in 1992, he would have been a star in the NHL. Uh, with the same name, and they have mentioned the Russian national hockey team a couple times. The, an episode or two ago, they talked about the goalie, who was the goalie in that the Miracle on Ice Olympics. Yeah, I was just about to ask if you remember that. Was that eighty or eighty-one? I think it was, it was 80, eighty, it? and I think the guy's name was Tretiak, was the Russian goalie. And it was Oleg. It was Oleg talking to somebody about. You know, some sport sports thing, and it was like Tretiak's having a good season or something. But that was the Russian goalie on that team. Do you guys think she even realized the kind of trouble she's potentially pointing to this guy that she's so dreamy over, though? I don't think so. No, nah, she's she simple. She's a simpleton. That's just so bad, you know? I mean, she doesn't even know that she's doing anything, I don't think. And she's like, just... I mean, she just potentially handed on this gold mine, right? She's amazed that uh, they got that apartment just to see her. She's, they're, they're making her, you know, an Adderholt. But we told you we'd keep you safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy. I mean, you can see right through Adderholt. <laughs> well, then we see Philip and Elizabeth, and they're telling Claudia about the tape and the uh, incident with the mo- Mujahideen, where they were killed by the hemorrhagic fever. And they're talking to Claudia and saying that they thought this was for defense. And 
Claudia's very believable, didn't she? What? Oh, I know. Does anybody here believe that? First, let's get this off. Claudia? No, I don't. She's out of the loop on the hemorrhagic fever? I don't think so. Do you guys know um, what they call the Mujahideen these days? Well, you know I don't. It's the Taliban. The, the Mujahideen is that true? morphed into the Taliban. Yeah, we're, we we were they were our allies when they were fighting the Soviet Union, but now they're, um, you know, we, we let them run rampant, and they, you know, started doing what they do to, um, you know, in, in accordance with their belief of it, their 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 Islamic beliefs, which are bastardized by the way, and they became the Taliban. And that's that's the Taliban is the old Mujah, the Mujahideen morphed into the Taliban, and they're no longer, of course, allies; they're enemies. That happens a lot with Americans. How do you know that? Notice that. Where'd you hear that? Um, well, it, it, it's historical. You really? Can, yeah, you can look it up. Hmm. Yeah, it's the classic problem the U.S. keeps kind of tripping over is setting up people to help them fight regimes, and then those guys get power, and then they become the problem. And yeah, nice Saddam, Saddam Hussein in, in Iran, you know, during the, the Iran-Iraq war. You know, Saddam Hussein was our buddy because he was fighting Iran. And, of course, he became an enemy. Yeah, and the Shah of Iran, whoever came after him, got take, t- took over everything we helped the, sh- the state of Iran have when we were helping the Shah of Iran. Yeah, the, well, I told Khomeini, you know, they, they, the, the, the Shah of Iran had to, you know, they had to leave. You know, the Shah was a, an American puppet. That's back when we, you know, had a relationship. When I was in boot camp, we still had Iranian, um, we had Iranian um, uh, Relations. Company, companies there. Well, there were, there were whole companies of Iranians going through boot camp in San Diego right alongside us. And when um, the hostages, you know, were taken, uh, those people were still over here going through boot camp. That's when I got to boot camp in April of 80, and I think the hostages uh, had already been taken or were, I, I don't remember, I think it was 79 when they took the hostages, and I was there in April of 80, and these guys were still in training. Uh, you know, we had pilots over here in training, Iranian pilots. We had a, a, a significant military relationship with the country of Iran, and then the Ayatollah Khomeini, Khomeini um, took power, and that was it. I was in the Indian Ocean when they let the hostages go. I remember they got to go home, and I had to stay on that damn aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It was no good. Oh, wow. So Elizabeth wants to know if the center could get Pastor Tim a job far away. And uh, Claudia says maybe that they've got some pull in peace groups and stuff like that. And Elizabeth says she'll let her know. And then Claudia says that the wheat was of a variety that was stolen from the Soviet Union. Yeah, Cossack variety is a great, a great Russian source. Well, what what's so funny about that is is that they are just like, they stole that from us. When they stole it back, right? You know, I mean, they're like so indignant. They stole it from us. Well, okay, um, but this is where she drops that bombshell on them. Yeah, they got to keep working, Kemp. For and years, Stober. Ben yeah. and Deidre, long term. Yeah, they're not. They're Get ready for the S to come start back coming into the That's, title. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Waiting for the yeah. S. Damn. Yeah, neither one of them are happy about that either. <laughs> they Even Deirdre's no not happy about it. Who? Even Deirdre's not happy about it. She's just no. reluctantly <laughs> doing it. 
Yeah, she's just I don't know. Off. She likes him now that he's married, which is That's true. I don't know. So then we go to commercial and it's Fargo. So Fargo commercial is always fun. You and I'll be podcasting Fargo tomorrow, right, Mike? Right. It is great this year. I'm loving Fargo. You like it too, don't oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, that guy that got playing the Specter of Death, the, the English accent. The embargo. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to jump on a podcast with us, Mike. That's really fun. I might, I might do that if I if I have some some extra time. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that at all. If you stay awake long enough. If I can stay awake long enough. Oh my gosh, he's been working so many hours. It's just been insane the last yeah, couple of weeks. It really got has. Staff issues and equipment problems right now, but we'll get through it. But we come back, and this is where Paige is in a room reading, and Philip and Elizabeth walk in, and they want to discuss the Pastor Tim situation with her and their idea to offer him a job, so he doesn't have to, so she doesn't have to manage him for the rest of her life. They even talk to her about talking to Claudia, trying to get him a job, maybe somewhere in Europe or someplace far away. But they say it's up to Paige. And of course, Paige sits there and go, "Well, that's weird. <laughs> that's yeah. a perfect thing for a kid to say, though." And they say that they'll only do it if it's something good for him and something she wants them to do. And she sits there quietly. And then she starts bringing up the crop thing to him. So tell me what happened with the crop thing. And, man, they schmooze that over oh, real no. good. She still doesn't know the whole story. Not at all. No. No. She's going, did you fix that? And they're like, well, it was complicated, but it's not going to happen. And she's like, oh, you saved the world. Yay, parents, kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. You know. She's She's definitely that doesn't have, does not have the full picture on the wheat and the bugs and the, uh, the page. Page is equally impressed with how powerfully they could move to Pastor Tim's whole life. This is kind of a negative thing, like move him out, move him away. That's amazing. He you could do that, he'd never know it. And she's equally amazed that they did all this great stuff with the wheat, and nobody will ever know that either. It's you did something huge, and nobody knows it. Yep. And they're sitting there all humble. Well, you know, that's just the way it works. Yeah, it's fine. Just another day at the office. Yep. We're not she just looks happy agents, and you know. proud of them in this moment. It's the first time I think we've ever seen any kind of spa talk with Paige where she ends up kind of looking uplifted and bolstered a little bit. They walk out of a room and they're saying that it was a good talk. They they noticed, too, that she looked very upbeat toward the end of that. But then this is where Elizabeth says she has to go back to Topeka on the 19th for more Tai Chi. Right. That's a new euphemism, huh? Vertical Tai Chi. So then we go to Oleg, and he's having dinner with his parents. Now, I'm, I'm going to say what I saw about this. I'm sure there's something probably that I'm missing about this. Um, lots of food on the table. More than the three of them would likely eat at all. It's very quiet. The mom Not a looks, word was spoken in that whole scene. Right. Not a word. Mom looks really uncomfortable. Um, the dad keeps sighing and feeding them more food. So what's that all about? I don't know. What did you get out of that, Mike? Uh, to me, that was Jesse Pinkman eating his dinner with Skylar White. That was the most uncomfortable <laughs> dinner I've ever seen. I, I don't know. I think it. I think it's affluence. They have all the food. They have more food that they can even eat. And Papa has to serve it up, kind of almost forcing them to start their meal. And then when they eat, they eat little tiny little one little forkful of food at a time. They're not enjoying this this richness of food that they have. 
No, and you didn't get that out of it at all. It was a very, uh, very awkward, awkward scene. Totally silent. Yeah, and not a word. It, it, yeah, it was interesting that the food on the table, if you noticed, it was all arranged just, you know, beautifully and lot, very colorful. And uh, I think they, uh, the, the, the uh, designers, the set designers made it a point to show how extravagant their evening meal was. What did well, you think of got... that, Michelle? That was that. Ma- did Mama make that meal? What What did you take from that? Oh yeah, I think Oleg's mom definitely prepared the meal, but I don't know. You know, I mean, was it that they're? It's like they're all in their own little bits of torture. The mom is worried about Oleg, and I don't think she likes the dad a whole lot because we saw in the last episode where she was talking to him right before Oleg walked in and had that conversation with him, and she's saying, you know, you should just do this. She's kind of trying to push him for something. He won't do it, and we don't really know what it is. But the dad is talking about having to fight with her and how he feels like maybe he did something, you know, noble because he didn't leave her when she was taken away. And then, of course, Oleg is in his own hell of having everything go on with him and all this stuff. They're, like, trying to pin something on him. Yeah, they're nosing around the house. So we just have this whole, it's like three three separate problems with these people, and they're just all together and then in the middle of that you have this abundance of food when the rest of the nation is starving so it's just it's just wrong on every front i think except cool hand oleg you know he's just sitting there trying to yeah but he didn't i mean he wasn't enjoying it either no, he was eating but doing his best do you think oleg has more trouble coming from these guys who are investigating him i think so he would have to right I mean, what what would be the point of just a little bit of investigation just to annoy him? I don't yeah. think it's going to end well for Oleg. I'm sorry? I don't think it's going to end well for Oleg. They, I think there's, I think they'll, they'll end up finding something on Oleg. Or maybe not. Or, but it'll have to be some kind of dramatic, um, dramatic, obvious, uh, we were wrong, let's leave Oleg alone. And, you know, these, these people... They hate to admit they're wrong. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Or, or that, either that or Oleg will get in trouble, or it'll just put so much stress in the, into the family that somebody will get sick, or it'll break up the mom and dad, or you know, something. There'll be a price somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, there'll definitely be a, um, a crescendo to this situation for sure. But the mom, she's still wearing black. Did anybody else notice that? I don't know how long the brother's been gone, but she's sitting there all in black. Or maybe she's just mad at her husband and she puts on black. Or maybe she just likes Johnny Cash. I mean, you never know. I don't think it's Johnny Cash. Yeah, buttoned up to the throat with like a a tight, formal, stilted-looking attire. It just looks so uncomfortable. Like you're having dinner, you should enjoy yourself. Yeah, there's no enjoyment at that table. Nope. But it was weird. I, I kind of wondered why they why, why they put that scene in here. I did too. And what that was all about. 
just the uncomfortableness of poor Oleg. Man, he can't catch a break. No. The colonel's saying, you know, you got nothing to worry about, but I don't know why they're doing that. And Russell's saying, hey, you got nothing to worry about, but I don't know why they're doing that. And at home, his dad's like, hey, I gave up everything for you. And then, you know. Then we go to. Is that echoing? Yeah. I don't know. That is. Is that on your end, Mike? What's that? It's something's echoing. You don't hear that feedback? Uh, I don't hear it. Yeah, we can hear ourselves suddenly. That's weird. Did you change positions or something out there? (laughs) Did you twist around in your chair? It's gone now. Yeah. I don't know. Good job, Mike. All right. Thanks. Okay, so Evganya's talking about how our students are getting better. Uh, they're discussing how it's better to learn a language when you're immersed in the language. And Evganya and Dee says, Elizabeth says, that that's how Twan did so well because he went to school. And Evganya's telling Dee that school isn't good for Pasha. And she goes in, you know, she's crying and everything about what they did to Pasha and how this... I, I think this poop in the locker thing kind of broke Pasha. It was just kind of too much for him. And come on, Elizabeth, man, I believe her. She is so aghast at that stage. She's like, oh, they did what? Right. And I'm like, I mean, literally, I wrote eye roll, insert eye roll here, because I believed her. And she's just like, that's. I hate that. I hate that about her. D is saying that Tuan has an outgoing personality, so it's always been easier for him, but Pasha isn't like that. And then D's like, but it gets better. And then Evgenia says, but what if it doesn't get better? Yeah. Which is exactly what D wanted her to say. Exactly. She's really struggling here. Yeah. Yeah, she's crying. She's upset. And then she confesses to D that she had sex with one of her students, which sounds really bad when it's put that way. But she says now that she and Alexia are getting along better, that he's trying to be nice to her. And he's she saying, wishes the whole thing just never happened. She just wants to have a happy family. Yeah, she wants her family to be happy. And Dee says, then you have to fight for that. Now, what is, what's she saying to her? What's she really encouraging her to do? I don't know. I think she had a weak moment. I don't think she wants her to fight for anything. I think she wants her to, to go with a plan, I think. To go to Moscow yeah, the, and be with right. her lover, right? Right, and have their lover working for the Soviet spy agencies. Did you think anything different, Mike? No, I think that's kind of it. You know, at least she didn't get poop put in her locker. All she has to do is keep having sex with one of her students, <laughs> which she <laughs> yeah, seems to good. like. I think she feels guilty. I think Don't you think she's struggling with her husband, though? Don't you think they're on kind of the outs? He's happy in America. She's not. She wants to go back. That's kind of a doomed relationship, too, I think. Yeah, but now we see him, you know, in the opening scene getting kind of nostalgic for the Soviet Union. I thought it was funny, too, what she said. I mean, in the South, that conversation may have played differently, Michelle, don't you think? When she said, they put shit in locker. You know, my natural response would have been, what kind of shit did they put in a locker? (laughs) What? What did they? <laughs> what? Yeah, they they put shit in locker. What kind of shit did they put in locker? You know what? Well, like, that's what Philip asked when they were talking about it. When yeah, uh, yeah, he asked human. You know. No, but I'm talking about like 
you know, did they put marbles in the locker? Did they put frogs in the locker? Oh, like you know, hey, can you believe they put, they, crap they put in some here. they put some crap in oh, his okay. locker? What kind of crap did they put in his locker? Right, like drugs yeah. or did oh, they, okay. yeah, did they put old socks in his locker? You know, but not you know literal doo doo. I mean, that's pretty. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. It Mike, did you ever light doo doo on fire and put it on somebody's Michael. front door and ring the doorbell and run? Never. Didn't we did. Thank you. No, we never, did. never did it. We did it. We Don't did it. brag on that. I'm not bragging. I'm just confessing. I'm having a Pastor Tim moment. I'm you confessing. did it like the collective, you too, you and Michelle did it? No. You and your... No, Michelle, no. no. No, Michelle was way too prissy to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but me from down down yonder we we used to we we would roll yards we would egg cars when it got cold and snowed we would perch on top of uh, hills and throw snowballs and oh, we, we decided did that. yeah then we decided that big ice chunks worked better because they would crack windshields and that oh we were just we were horrible. Um, What's the statute of limitations on? We that? would eat. We'd go to this apple tree. We would eat these apples and throw the core. And then one year, I got this great idea. My dad said, "I want you to get rid of that Christmas tree." It's like January. Get rid of the Christmas tree. I'm like, okay. So I called Freddie Ware up and I said, "Hey, Freddie, my dad wants me to get rid of the Christmas tree. Let's go put it in the curve over on the uh, other side of the neighborhood." So we did. And we put this Christmas tree. We hid, you know, up the hill, the same hill with the apple tree, and where we throw snowballs. And me and Freddie were sitting there. We watching. Here comes some lights. You know, it's nighttime. We can't wait till this car comes up over this hill and around this curve and sees this Christmas tree. And you know, either jams on the brakes or swerves wildly to avoid to avoid it. We don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? It was my dad. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> it sure was. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't that didn't work at all. That was a horrible time in my history. <laughs> was so, yeah, it was a very what you get. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of serves you right, Mike. Yeah. No, it didn't. It didn't work out for us that night. You know. Hoodlums. Freddie, he said the same word that Ganya did and ran. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we go to Stan and Renee and Elizabeth and Philip, and they're walking down the road. They've had like dinner or something. They're kind of teasing and joking about karaoke. And Renee has to head home next week, so she can't get back together with them next week. So I don't know what that means, head home. I don't mm. know if she's talking about Philadelphia or not. Or Moscow. You don't know. But then they separate into two different cars, and this is where Elizabeth asks Philip why this bothers him so much. Because as soon as Philip is out of earshot of them, in sight of them, his face just drops. That's just it. And then he says that he doesn't want this to end like Martha. He doesn't want Stan to end like Martha. And then Elizabeth's face drops. So. Well, this is when I was wondering, what do you mean, Philip? You mean like baking potatoes and putting fried socks on it? I mean, is that what? Or shopping alone? Well, he doesn't know that. Oh, I know. I know. But he is, uh, he's, he is really, truly, um, a more touchy feely Russian spy than when we started this thing. He's, he's really, he's gone from, from enjoying living in America and just wanting to, to, to run away and be an American to actually getting pissed off now about what's going on and feeling. But we've seen this evolve over time though, right? We've seen all this different stuff evolve and everything that right. they've done. But to it him. really accelerated during his est phase. He really got, 
he really said it was kind of like his light bulb moment going okay. to Est. But what I'm hearing as a girl when he said that, as Elizabeth sitting there, is he's saying that he liked Martha and was as close to Martha as they are to Stan. See, this is why girls just overthink it. No, that's my filter, and that went through my filter, and that's what I heard. Yeah, he doesn't want Stan's heart to get broken like Martha's heart got broken. And he doesn't want to be responsible for that or something bad happening to Stan. Just for Stan's sake, though, I don't think he's too worried about his guilt. And I think I just don't I think he likes Stan. He doesn't want Stan to get hurt like Martha got hurt. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. But but that's not what Elizabeth heard. That's not all Elizabeth heard. Right. She heard. It's clear that he's a little raw still over the whole. Right. Night. He's still talking about Martha. And I mean, how much time has passed now? And he's still talking about her. Yeah. Well, that's understandable, too, for on Elizabeth's part. Yeah, I think so. Okay, then we go to this really interesting scene where the Est guy is talking and Philip is remembering the talk as he's running. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that the Est guy was saying. He was talking about being in the dark and how you hold your arms out to avoid bumping into anything and how you look and feel when somebody would turn on the light. And then he says, if you had felt something, would that make you feel smart that you put your hands out? And then he goes on to say, when you're walking in the dark, you don't know the answer, but you have an instinct for how to move forward. It's neither right or wrong. It simply is. And then he goes into this whole thing about we're all machines. Say hello to the machine sitting next to you. I know that's your favorite thing when you're like in a group situation and they tell you to say hello or I can't stand or that. reach over to your neighbor and uh, pat him on the arm no. and that's when I'm that's when I tune out. Yeah. Looking for the exit. But he says your lives are mechanically programmed stimulus response, stimulus response. And how does this figure into enlightenment? Enlightenment is knowing the truth and accepting that you are a machine. I agree with the first part of that, but I don't think that we're we're machines in the sense of um, I, I don't I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't think a a machine can get enlightenment. I think our worldview is based on our experience, and of course, absolutely the stimuli, this the the everything that's that's gone into our experience here are are. are where we live, what country we were born in, what race we are, everything everything is part of your worldview, and we're all pre-programmed. But I did think, I do think that what they were telling Paige later on, I think it was they're talking to Paige about um, seeing things different than when you were a kid. You know, it, the way that you were, the way that you were raised in your program does not have to define your life. It doesn't have to define who you are. Or it doesn't have to control the choices that you make. I agree. I agree with the with the teacher with the instructor's statement about enlightenment. Yeah, I apologize for the blatant cross promotion of Fargo, everybody. But doesn't it seem sometimes like Weisberg and Fields are watching Fargo? I mean, that the Fargo episode this week is the robot going through time. It's just a machine without feeling, and it's wondering what's happening, and it, it eventually just turns itself off and stimuli and outside. I mean, it just seems like they're so, uh, however oddly, synced up with each other. Um, but, the, but the, haven't you had that feeling before where you're in the dark and all of a sudden the power comes on and you're like, Oh, I had nothing to worry about. I'm walking slowly with my hands in front of me. It, it is, yeah. a, it is a disconcerting feeling to have that. 
Yeah, I, I have that feeling every night when I get up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the more I see this um, est, est scene, though, the more I wish I could go. It looks like it would be pretty fun to go, even if you ended up just kind of making fun of it. But just to experience it just seems like it would be an interesting night out one night. <laughs> we should we should see if they're still doing it. I think that would be pretty cool. Maybe you? maybe we could we could revitalize Est. I don't know if I want to do all that. Um, I just think it's, I don't know. The whole thing was really cool, and I think Philip kind of feels like. Okay, this is my analogy for the for the speech in that scene. I feel like Philip has felt like he's been kept in the dark and he's in everything that's been going on, everything that we've seen so far, pretty much this season, but prior seasons too. And so he's been walking around with his hands out and then suddenly the light's been thrown on. And so he feels humiliated and he feels kind of, kind of awkward for having faced these, um, for things not being as they were told that they were. Like, okay, for instance, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this kind of thing, but you'll see people where they'll be like leading somebody who has a blindfold on, and they'll say, okay, now you got to take a big step forward, step really high, and there's nothing in front of them, right? But these people are doing these really high steps, and they're like, oh, good, you just barely got over that, and all this kind of And I feel like that's kind of how Philip is. He's been led to believe that things were one way. No, wait, Michelle, where would you have seen that? uh, I don't know. Do you know where I saw it? I don't remember. No, I'm just wondering. Um, No, no, because on Survivor, they wouldn't have said that if if they didn't, if if there wasn't an obstacle there. I think that it was like a a, uh, thing that we did in nursing school, like a challenge that we did. We used to do these like group challenges and stuff like that and how you can affect the mind and the mind will affect the body. Now you know what goes on third shift at hospitals. (laughs) Not in the hospital. But you could um, tell somebody there's absolutely nothing there and people will walk. And if if you trust the person, you know, we did like the fallback thing and all that kind of stuff. But you have to trust the people that you're doing this with. And so I think Philip has suddenly lost this you know, he's completely lost the trust because nothing is as he's been told. And so he feels foolish, like you might feel if you're walking around with your hands out and then you realize there's nothing there. I don't know. That was just kind of my take on it. Yeah, he's definitely not bought into the greater good thing that, that Elizabeth has, has got going on. But I, for one, am more than impressed that with all that they've got going on, that Philip is prioritizing his physical fitness by going for a jog I mean, with everything they've got going on, and he's going to est meetings. And well, he's... he went out there to dump that striped rock. You didn't see him, huh? Yeah, he needs to get the him? hollowed out rock. I didn't even rock. see that. He had to throw the rock. Oh, I didn't. I missed that completely. Yeah, he was he was dropping. Well, later on, you know the the uh, right. Tatiana. Yeah, Tatiana has the. That's where she got the rock, Philip. Drop, okay, it. well, that makes a whole lot more sense. I thought he was just out for a run. No, he dropped the rock. Okay. He, he placed the rock. Well, I feel silly now. Well, he probably does go for a run some days when he's not doing the rock deal with Tatiana, but... How about yeah. those 80s sweatpants, too, man? I mean, God, I've forgotten those jogging suits that we Better used to than the run shorts around in. Oh, my God. Up well, your butt I don't know, in man. The 80s. I don't like my 80s shorts. You know, the... The uh, underwater demolition team in the Navy, you know, they all have still have those shorts. Okay. Well, then Philip comes into the house and 
this is where he sits down and has this conversation with Paige. And he starts to talk to her about Pastor Tim and what Pastor Tim wrote. And he goes into Est. He tells her about Est and how they ask hard things and make you look at questions. And this is where he says what you brought up a second ago, Mike. Who you are as a kid, you don't have to stay that way. Yeah, um, that was liberating for me. I mean, I just, I mean, I was raised by wolves. And then when I got, no, really, I got off on my own. You can't cut any of this out, okay? This is a... This is an edit alert, Mike. Keep this in. Okay, this is the this is the good stuff. I realized that, you know, this this group of of uh, irresponsible alcoholics didn't have to, you know, it, it. I didn't. I didn't have to. It wasn't my life. wasn't gonna be like that unless that's what I chose. I could choose. I could make my own choices. And, you know, I joined the Navy when I was 17, by the way, Mike. And I mean, on my, on my 17th birthday, I was literally on the bus on the way to uh, Knoxville to fly to San Diego to go to boot camp. I mean, I wanted away so bad, I, I didn't like it at home. And uh, then I, I started, you know, the long path that I guess Philip Philip's taking now of self-discovery. I, I realized that some of the things I'd been taught, most of the things I'd been taught, were were not things that I agreed with. And so this self-education thing started. And then lately, you know, Michelle and I with food, I mean, we've we've really educated ourselves about nutrition and what's really good for you and what's really not good for you, not based on anything that necessarily that that's that's conventional wisdom, but just trial and error and um and things that we've learned over time. So it's this enlightenment thing is, you know, I, I love the whole concept of enlightenment. I, I love the, uh, the, the Buddhists, um, uh, philosophy on a lot enlightenment. It's, uh, it's, it, it's just, um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's educational. It's, um, it's, um, it, it helps with personal growth, I think. Okay, my rant. Yeah, it's a, that's a very powerful message of self-empowerment. And, and don't you think that's kind of what Philip's trying to give to Paige here is like the escape hatch for yes. all this bullshit now? You don't you can escape from it someday. You don't have to stay this way. Absolutely. He's encouraging her all along the way. You're exactly right. And sometimes he gets a little pushback from Elizabeth. Yeah. Okay, well, then we go to The Rock with a note in it that's brought to Tatiana's office. And it has this weird coded set of numbers, and she starts to write it down, and we don't she's really decoding know, it. Yeah, what that's all about. Were you guys happy Did to we, see Tatiana again? We hadn't seen her in a while. I was. I oh, was. I, man, she is cold blooded, though, right? Pretty much. She I was mean, way back from the Arcady and Oleg at the Residentura. I don't think we've even seen the inside of the Residentura for five or six episodes. I wonder what happened to Arcady. You think we'll ever see him again? I don't know. No, I don't think we've been in there this whole season, as I recall. Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't think so. But then we go to the scene where uh, Paige and Pastor Tim are packing the food boxes. Now, this, I think, was the turning point for Paige. They talk about this stuff. She kind of... Paige does a really good job of luring him, I felt like, into saying things to her. And he did. He says she's moving in the right direction. 
she has a lot to handle and she'll handle it. She's going to do great things in life. There's no doubt in his mind. And she knows there's doubt in his mind. Because she read it. She read his secret thoughts. Right. She knows here that he's lying. Right. She knows that. But I felt like she really led him into that conversation to see what he would say. Yeah, she's testing him. She's definitely channeling Elizabeth here. So then Stan and Adderholt are sitting through a lecture about transportation of contraband into the country. <laughs> no, no, they're going to bust this this uh, Soviet hockey star. I see problems for him. Okay, so they transport the documents on undeveloped film, spooled around cotton with a prophylactic in the middle that's filled with ammonia. And now the courier doesn't know how to defeat the trap. There's only one officer who does that at the Residentura. Now, I'm not sure about what all that even meant. It looked kind of complicated. There's only one guy who knows how to get to the the, the chewy center. And, <laughs> the chewy yeah. center? Yeah. <laughs> And get it out. It's the condom pres- pineapple, Michelle. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's Jeez. Only one person knows how to preserve the stuff that's being transported, and nobody else knows. Because that. the ammonia presumably would ruin it if it was opened in another way with more aggressive. Yeah, nobody can get to it okay. except one person. Which and, it's, is- and it's not just film. And sometimes it's guns or electronic devices or a circuit board or you know any kind of crazy stuff. Right. Other things they've stolen and they're sending home is what they said in this. So this may be something that they're taking back. I don't know if it's something that they're bringing into the country or something that they're taking out of the country. But they say the outer the outer pouch is tamper-proof. But since their last attempt three years ago, they've been working on a new approach. And then they go into this whole thing about this guy, Bistrov, comes in approximately twice a month, always on diplomatic Aeroflot flights to JFK. The couriers work in pairs, and if one of them has to go to the bathroom, one stays outside the stall, which I guess is good if one of them's inside the stall, and the other one takes it in the stall with him, and they say that's the weak point. And this is the this is what is going to be funny to watch the okay. way they approach this. How on earth is that a weak point? Well, they got them separated. Yeah. By a stall door. By a stall. But still, though, they, they can't both see the same things that are going on. So that's the that's the weak spot. They cannot work in tandem in, yeah. this, in this setting. Well, I'm not an expert on men's bathrooms, but that just does not seem like a really great weak spot to me. Well, I can tell you, I've never had anybody try to get in a stall with me. <laughs> I got to go back to Fargo. You can't let the guy pee and trust that he's really peeing. You got to watch him. You got to watch him every second. Even if he pees on your shoes. Especially if you're. Uh, Especially yeah, if he pees on your shoes. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then we have disguised Philip and Elizabeth, and they're driving down the road. And she asks where they're going. She doesn't like surprises, y'all. I got to tell you, this whole episode, I was like, eh, it's meh. You know, this is okay. And then they did this, and it just like, I am such a girl with this thing. Apparently, Philip's a girl, too, because he set it all up. I loved this. Did y'all love this? 
No. Um, it was pretty funny. cool. Come on, Mike. It was pretty cool. And, was, and they neat. also gave Andre, and, uh, Andre, they gave him meaning, too, because remember, he was struggling, and now he got to be a priest at a wedding. That was pretty cool for him, too. I thought the visual with them with the crowns on was really interesting. All I could think of was Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. Oh, my gosh. I loved that whole ceremony. I loved everything he said. I just I just thought it was just the best. I loved how Father Andre, uh, Andre was so he was so serious about it. And you were right, Mike. He, he was from from Russia. I was guessing he was somebody from here, but man, he wasn't. And he was speaking in Russian and saying this kind of stuff. And every time he'd say something, he'd say, amen. Of course, we in the South, amen, you know, and he's going, hemming, you mm -hmm. know, and it was like, really, <laughs> I mean, I loved everything about that, how serious he took it, the rings, he didn't want the other rings, Nothing, and it just it it made this episode for me. Well, yeah, you remember him, right? You remember him from a couple uh, an episode or two ago when he had no meaning and he was struggling with Philip. Hey, I just want to talk to you. I like no meaning yes. anymore. Yeah, I, I think that was as big for him as it was for um, whatever the Nadezda and Mikhail. You know, yeah, wasn't Philip that great? Well, yeah, I mean, he got to do it. He got you know the time with them. He's speaking the Russian again. I, just, I thought it was, and it was beautiful. I mean, it's in this dank, dark, unlikely place. There's like puddles on the floor. It's 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 like an abandoned, dilapidated building, and it was beautiful. I I was so impressed with it. And Philip's saying that. Go ahead. You think this was inspired by um, Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell in real life getting together? You know, I thought about that when I saw this, because the way they kept looking at one another during it, it would have, I mean, you know, I know there are actors, but now, I, I did didn't Did they think get that. married in real life, or did they just have a kid together? I know they had a child. I don't know if they're married. I haven't heard that they're married. I don't know. Well, they are now. We saw it. Well, we did see it, didn't we? Yeah, there was no Russian bachelor party, out. though. Stan could have run a good bachelor party for Philip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, guaranteed. Just don't invite Andrew Holt. God, what a wet blanket. I even made a note here. I said I didn't even take a lot of notes the first time I watched this. I was just mesmerized by the scene. I'm just going to be the girl and say... I loved that. I thought that was so sweet. I just loved it. Okay, I'm done gushing. But then they went home, do, and they're wait, still... Do you guys, before you go ahead, Michelle, do you guys uh -huh. read Ellen Seppenwall's reviews? I haven't, no. He's the uh, What's Ellen Watching on Uproxx. He said that, you know, they get the screener, so they get the screener before everybody else sees it. And this one had a double secret probation, like, warning on it. Please don't say anything at all about uh, the scene in minute 32 and 40 seconds and he wondered what that was as he was watching it and it was this wedding scene so this wedding scene was a secret thing that they wanted nobody to reveal early more than any other thing that they've ever had that was oh, uh, wow. important to the writers well i loved it i don't know i mean maybe i'm just you know one of the few people that really felt that but i just thought it was it made the whole episode it was another uh Martha having dinner with Stan Adderholt. I mean, uh, Adderholt, not Stan Adderholt, Adderholt scene where they were playing that music, Misty Blue, I think, 
It was yeah. just like the best scene it in the world. It kind of made everything else seem okay. Like, okay, no matter what else happens now, this this episode was okay. It yeah, had to feel I did, good. Yes, it did. I, I did worry, though, when they went back and she didn't want to take the ring off. And I did not blame her. This was like the most, I mean, it was perfect, romantic. But she had to take the ring off and they put them in that safe side by side. And they're great little, uh, what is it, the... The, the breaker box. box. Yeah. Oh, I love, and I, I still want one of those. I want a fuse box. The, safe uh, the marriage isn't just a, um, a cover anymore. It's real now. I know. They made it real. But I, I worry that we're going to see those rings at some other point because they like laid them right there. It just, it didn't, it felt a little ominous hmm. at that point to me for, for whatever reason, but, but whatever, it was beautiful. And I was so happy. Okay, then we see this scene where Evgenia is coming out of the dry cleaners and Tatiana comes up to her. Because you know we want people back and there's no repercussions. You can just come on back anytime you want. I know you've heard things. It's Western propaganda. Everything's going to be okay. Just just don't. There's nothing to worry about. She is evil. Tatiana is evil. She knows better than that. She's good at her job. So what do you think, Mike? Yeah, it was um, it was pretty ominous, and you know they're playing this poor little simpleton. What's her name? Evgen- Evgenia. Mm-hmm. Playing her kind of like for the simpleton that she is, and it was kind of hard to watch that scene because what kind of trouble is this going to make for that whole family? Well, right, and they know that she's unhappy. You know that that's went into the report that she's unhappy, plus everything else with the affair that she's had and you know if if everything's not going okay or if if everything is going okay with her and alexi they can use this affair against her i mean they've got everything to use against her now yeah this this makes me think that alexi's going to get in trouble for something she's going to do like not her directly but alexi the happy idiot who's happy in america he's going to get in trouble and thrown in prison and she's going to be feel she's going to feel bad about it Maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the father of Pasha, you know? I mean, she is connected. So then we see Philip and Elizabeth, and they're working on their travel agency stuff at home because they've been a little busy with Claudia and Tuan and Evgenia and Pasha and Alexi and Ben and Deidre and Kimmy and getting married and having a family and kids mm-hmm. and running a business and blah, blah, blah. So they're having to do a little bit of work at home. And Paige comes in from babysitting, and this is where she tells them she took some pictures of the diary. That's hilarious. And she said she didn't want to take it to photo mat. Okay, she says the reason that she did that was to, so that she wants them to get him the job. She wants him to be happy. She essentially wants him away from her now because she knows he's lying to her. It's what I heard. That's not what she said. And she thought that if she took photographs of his diary, that they might find something in there that might help them find him a perfect job. She's quite the little Russian spy, isn't she? I felt like she wanted them, she probably meant that, but I felt like she also wanted them to see those words because she didn't have to photograph that page, right? That wasn't anything about what he's done before or anything. If you read something, somebody can tell you something. Oh, I got an email from somebody and it said this. And you'll go, oh, try not to think too much in it. But when you read the email, it has a different effect on you. You know, I mean, somebody can say something to you on the phone 
and it's startling, but you can tell somebody, oh, somebody said this on the phone, and it just does not have the same impact as if you see it or hear it yourself. So she made pictures of that specifically, and man, did it have the right effect, I think, on Philip. And listen, what's so funny is she's like, I don't want to take it to photo mat. And there's like, no reason to, honey. We happen to have a development yeah, studio, come on in the laundry a room dark room, room. name of the episode. Yeah, Paige, I agree with you, Michelle. Paige set them up for this. She set up Philip and Elizabeth to, to see these photos directly. And she knew they had that developing thing in the basement or the garage or wherever they were. She did this on purpose so they would actually literally read it and not hear it secondhand from her telling them what she had read. Yeah, I completely believe that because it's so much more powerful in that instance. And then we have like this great music going, right? I mean, it's perfect for the scene. And they're developing these photos and hanging them up. And one of the things said, um, small business, smart kids who do well in school don't get into trouble, but saying they're not who they, they're not what they seem is the understatement of the century. That's all I could get off that one. And then are they monsters? I don't know. But what they did to their daughter, I'd have to call monstrous. I've seen sexual abuse. I've seen affairs, but nothing I've seen compares to what PJ has been through. There's a severe psychic injury. It may be permanent. Her faith may help, but I fear the damage is done. How can she trust anyone ever again? She may never understand the difference between truth and lying or even right and wrong. And one more was, I'm afraid for this poor girl. I fear for her mind and I fear for her soul. She doesn't even know how much she's suffering. Yeah, which is directly opposite of what he was trying to tell her while they were packing the food baskets. Right. Yeah, and on their dang wedding day, too. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. yeah. <laughs> I have that music, by the way, Michelle, and I'm not afraid to play it. Slice of Life by Bauhaus. <laughs> play so, it. Uh, yeah, I know. You're you're braver than Let Hollywood than come I. after me. That's right. Or Bauhaus come after me. Fight the power. But well, I'm, I'm, thinking your, I'm on your couch, so they're coming after you too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty by association. I'm just thinking that this whole interaction, I mean, they're reading that and you can see, I mean, they're they're reading the pages and I'm reading their face that they do not like this. Yeah, this is Tim's death warrant. Finally, I think so. this, they can't let this go. They cannot let this go and keep the integrity of the writing of the of the of their roles as spies together. Oh, just the real the re, the realisticness of the show. But y'all, how could they not know this? Well, that's the glitch. That's the problem. That would I think they should have known it last year. And why would he not have went forward, like we talked about a little bit ago, if he really had these feelings about it? Something's kept him from going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe now, still... maybe now they know that that maybe they'll figure out that Paige revealed this to them on purpose, and then maybe maybe this is Paige's okay to move ahead on whatever they have to do to Tim. That's a great point. Maybe I maybe this is that. something that Paige can finally buy into. I don't know. She's she's probably well. She's a sixteen year old girl, you know. I mean, you can't expect her to fall into that without. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. 
And that was the end. So any other insights on episode 10 called Dark Room? I don't, I don't have any. I thought it was a pretty good episode overall. I thought it was uh, each scene was, uh, except the scene where they were eating. That was, that was still, so kind of, they could have left that out and had the same episode in my opinion. Did you, uh, did you think that was a lot like the grave digging, Mike, like a little too long with not much, not much results from it? You mean when they, uh, when they, uh, they dug up, uh, up William? William? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. They, they got what they were after and they got rid of Hans. So <laughs> they didn't want to get rid of Hans. No, but that's what happened. Uh, I don't know. I, it was just the, the, the food scene. Of course it didn't act, It didn't really last that long, but it was, it was weird. Not a word was spoken and, you know, we covered it, but I just don't, I don't understand the, the need for that scene. Otherwise, I mean, but I mean, I appreciate the scene for what it was, but the the whole the whole episode was was pretty. Uh, I'm getting tired now, so I'm, I'm about to <laughs> about to nod off. For the whole, I, I enjoyed the whole episode, including the food scene. They could have just let the food sit out. That's all. Well, episode eleven is entitled Jnet Kava. Okay, and so know what? that is a um, city, I think, in Russia. I had it written down. I thought I thought I had written it down, but I don't. I don't have it here on my notes. But um, Claudia is telling them that the center thinks they might have found a woman that was on the Nazi execution squad, and Philip asks here. So we we're going to see like this whole other thing coming up and and there's only, you know, what 11, 12 and 13 there's three episodes left in this season is all, right? Is that right? I think so, yeah. And then Elizabeth asks, I think she's talking to to Philip if he thinks Stan wants Henry to join the FBI and we see Stan showing Henry the vault. So that's interesting. That would be better than Henry becoming a nuclear submarine officer. So Philip and Elizabeth are looking at photos, and Philip says he can't just do what they say, and Elizabeth says they'll make sure. Don't know what that's all about. Then a disguised Elizabeth is asking this woman who she is. It's evidently like the uh, Nazi execution squad woman. And how she can betray her own people, and she gets violent. She's like hitting this woman, and then speaks Russian to her, saying, "Do you uh, do you want to know who we are?" And then she goes, "We are them." Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's what yeah, I got for the upcoming. It looks like yeah. I, I, I'm looking. I'm kind of surprised they're throwing in like an extra little thing on this, unless it's just like the. Uh, Strollett broke the camel's back with it, right? Like they bring this woman in and this woman is really nobody, but they say she is the end of it for Philip because they torture like this middle-aged woman, maybe hurt her or something. Or maybe all this Nazi hunting will reinvigorate Philip's uh, patriotism. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I don't know. It's mysterious. I, I like how they have things set up, though. It looks like some bills have to get paid um, you know, like I keep saying with Tim and stuff, but I, I, I don't know what it means in the, on the Russian side. It's very mysterious, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Yep. 
Well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us tonight on Tribal Rant and West Coast Project. Give us a chat on Twitter. I'm at Michelle from TN. And I'm at Mike from TN. And I'm at Scathing Tweets. And also you can find us on Facebook. Look for Tribal Rant or West Coast Project. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can subscribe to us. And please like us and rate us if you like what we're doing. And all this information is on tribalrant.com and westcoastproject.com where you can email us or leave us a message, and we'd love to hear from you. So anything else? No, I think that's it. Mike, you might want to consider getting another uh, Twitter name, at Mike from CA. We could okay. we could complete we could complete the cutesy you know thing here we got going. Yeah, all right, I'll get on that. Okay. 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 Well, if you guys don't have anything else, then we'll see you all back here next week for episode eleven of the Americans entitled Jet Kava. I just butchered that. You know that, right? Mike, thanks for doing it with us. Yeah. Uh, this is this is really great. I really enjoy this a lot. I'm, yeah, I love I'm really it. Glad you accommodated our, our yeah schedule. thank you thank you're you. very gracious i appreciate you giving me the opportunity no we love it okay we'll see you guys here next week all right bye-bye. we'll see you next okay. week bye-bye, bye-bye. Yeah.